Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cocky Top Podcast, home of the SEC football show where forever to the Gamecock Brian Lowe and all the all Tyler McDaniel put their friendship to the test during a grueling football season, all while highlighting and fighting for their volunteers and Gamecocks, respectively, throughout their season, as well as our thoughts on other teams in the conference, as well as the league. So regardless if you're a volunteer or a Gamecock or somewhere in between, let's kick this thing off and talk some ball. All right, all you cock and balls, and welcome back to another episode of the Cocky Top Podcast. As always, I am, even after this last South Carolina debacle, a forever to the Gamecock, Brian Lowe, and always joined by all ball Tyler McDaniel. T-Mac, how are you feeling after this weekend? Uh, nervous. Uh, Not better than me, at least. Sure, but... Ugly win. We knew it was not going to be an offensive game for either side. Uh, we even called that there was no way there was going to be 60 points scored in that game. Yeah, we, we had talked Vegas about that. Vegas lost big in that game. And I have to say, tip of the hat to the A&M quarterback. He got his ass handed to him all night long, all over that field. And he kept getting up and kept getting up. And making plays work. So even though we won, it was fantastic and great. My tip of the cap to their quarterback, because he got plugged into the ground all night long, multiple times, big hits, injured his non-throwing hand, messed up his hip, and still kept going. Hats off to you, sir. My dad is going through some back back issues, so we were unable to go. Um so we watched. I watched with him from uh, their house, and uh, and it was really upsetting for him because A and M had never stepped foot in Neyland Stadium. Really, it was, was going to be the first time he had, in, in his life A and M had never stepped foot in Neyland Stadium, and it was going to be the first time he got to see A and M in Neyland, a, a new team, a team that his father didn't even get to see in Neyland. And all this crazy stuff happens with uh, his back and we're getting close to his back surgery and he physically just couldn't go. Like he could barely even maneuver without pain. Uh, So it was sad to see that for him because if I were to equate it to something in, in the pop culture realm, you know, I've never gotten to see or speak to Kevin Smith. If I had missed that opportunity this past Knoxville fanboy because of a gout flare up or something, I'd have been distraught because I'd have been thinking, am I ever going to get another chance to see? Because we won't see that A&M again for another six years, but we'll go to college station. So that's something that that's why I was kind of confused for a second because, um, in looking at it, and whenever you said that AM had never been to, uh, to Neyland, I always figured that it was always a, a home home whenever they came up on the schedule. I didn't realize that it was so far apart. Full on, uh, alteration and most likely what could possibly happen to us, Tennessee and South Carolinas. Uh, 
that's how it's going to be coming as far as uh, uh, the actual game. Mm. But yeah, I didn't realize that that was the case. And that is an interesting fact that you bring up. And of course, we'll, you know, discuss it more once we do get mm. into uh, the off season and learn more about how the structure is going to work and mm. how a conference champion, you know, will be decided and stuff like that for the individual conferences since there will not be a, a, you know, East-West division anymore and then a, a game to determine who that winner is. Um, and that also begs to question, you know, the format going into, I guess, because of the fact that there will be more playoff games um, at that point. There won't mm. necessarily need to, be, need to be a game for the conference championship. Mm. A, a single champion can be can be crowned. How are you feeling? I mean, you, you all played tough from the looks of it, things. We played very tough. Um, my my main concern and the offensive line. I don't know if you watched or or heard or anything as far as like any of the the, the things that happened during the the Carolina Florida game. But we almost had not necess- necessarily a complete overhaul, but the person who is our starting center mm-hmm. got moved all the way out to right tackle. The person who was playing left guard got moved into center. And uh, there was another, uh, and uh, a person who had not previously been a starter got pulled in and put in at the left guard position. Because of injuries? No. Over the bye week, they were looking to try to find a, a more cohesion and and a better way to, to get the run game going, which did happen. I mean, Mario Anderson, albeit on 20 carries, wound up with 98 yards and hurdled a defender during the game to be able to score a touchdown at one point, which was fantastic. It was an awesome play to behold. <clears throat> and and albeit these these changes on the line, did wind up keeping Spencer Rattler probably the cleanest he's been all mm. season. Some pressures, but he still stayed clean, was able to escape the pocket whenever he needed to. And we scored points every time. But the defense at the end of the game just literally – I don't know if they just decided to – to take the rest of the night off or (laughs) if the play calling was was just not the appropriate play calling or if it was just simply the fact that the the youth in the secondary is or lack of of playing time just because we were so heavily dominant on the the senior or you know what would have been junior and senior players last year the the veteran players on the team last year in the secondary mm-hmm. that that we are just now really realizing what got lost and it's and it's not lost on just South Carolina I mean LSU is experiencing the same problems yes. I mean they're doing fantastic on offense whenever you know Jay Daniels can stay upright same thing with Spencer Rattler but the defense is not helping them out in any capacity. They're not being able to get to the quarterback of the opposing team, and we're not being able to get uh, anything really going in the secondary. I mean, I looked at 
the the number of takeaways, and this is an interesting fact that Brad Crawford brought up. South Carolina, the last two seasons under Shane Beamer, were number one in the SEC with takeaways. Yeah. This year we're ranked currently at ninth, and that is not helping us in any capacity. And a majority of those were interceptions. And we were getting some pressure to the quarterback, but unfortunately we lost a couple of those players to the portal on the defensive side of the ball. One who's playing in Florida state, one who's playing in Oregon, guess where they're located in the rankings right now, both in the top 10. I don't know how far Oregon's going to drop after what we saw this past weekend against Washington, which was a very shootout game. (laughs) And you picked Washington to win that one. I chose the ducks and it once again, I wind up being on the losing end of that one. Um, but it, it, we never replaced them with players of a of that caliber. We did with Jatias Gear, but unfortunately he did wind up uh, being hurt for several games. Early in the season, he's come back. I don't think he's at full capacity just yet. I mean – the way I introduce myself is forever to thee, but right mm. now – you know, it's it's kind of rough with some of the things that we're seeing, especially whenever so many people want to compare Shane Beamer to Will Muschamp, and you say that name around the Gamecock program, and and it's it's like it's like saying Lane Kiffin or Butch Jones in yeah, in Tennessee. It's something you just don't do. At least you know, uh, uh, <laughs> at least east of where uh, I'm coming to you from on this particular episode. Uh, because uh, listeners don't know that uh, I am actually over in Nashville mm-hmm. uh, where we just missed seeing the uh, Georgia Bulldogs come in. And while it was it was a, a struggle win, I would say, for the Bulldogs in a sense, especially Compared considering to, yeah. that they, they lost Brock Bowers in that game, is that, that they have played Georgia probably one of the second closest besides South Carolina in terms of SEC competition. And I don't know if that's a situation of Georgia potentially playing down. I mean, I know that it's been starter players that have been in both games, but you look at how they played against Kentucky and the the way that they handled Kentucky with confidence and no problem. It just – it's kind of weird. It's kind of weird. It is weird. Um, That's why the SEC is so crazy. It is, and it's, you know, definitely where that any given Saturday comes from. But being in Nashville, uh, we were over here for a private event uh, for Mm. the distillery. Um, Not necessarily for the distillery, but we were represented at this event. Uh, Turned out to be some rather high-profile, not necessarily Nashville high-profile, except for some entertainment that happened to be there for the evening. We can't get into too much detail because it was a private event. Uh, But it was a great time, and I actually got the opportunity to meet a current player for the Gamecocks' parents. It was was an odd happening, Um, just talking to some of the folks that were coming over and getting some drinks from us. uh, We are definitely going to have to make sure and keep the uh, caramel apple cider a regular thing even at the distillery uh, once we get back in town for this one for the season that it is upon us that of course is October or the burr months 
yeah. October, November, December. But yeah, I think that could be a big um, hit here in town. Yeah. Um, it was great. It was great actually being able to talk a little Gamecock football, even though the loss, they were actually at the game. Um, their son didn't dress out. He's actually uh, dealing with an injury, but he's a current tight end uh, for the Gamecocks. Actually had over 50 Power 5 offers out of mm. high school. Was originally committed to Miami, uh, but flipped to South Carolina. And speaking of flips, if anyone has not seen the news yet, former Auburn commit, uh, four-star athlete, Jalua Solomon has decommitted from Auburn and has now committed to the Gamecocks, despite the loss that that happened uh, and a heartbreaker, of course, in Williams Bryce. Uh, the Gamecocks, it, it was a great game all the way through until, like I said, the last seven eight minutes. I mean, it was the game that I expected it to be. It's just not, of course, the outcome that I wanted. Um, but on the day, uh, final score, Florida 41, South Carolina 39. Uh, would have been 41-37, Florida uh, uh, taking the knee in the end zone, knowing that, you know, it wasn't really going to fully affect it or whatnot. Uh, getting the safety and bringing the Gamecocks points up to 39 at that point. That last pick with minutes left, was such a Florida thing. And and it just even as a vol, when I saw that highlight, I was like, only Florida. And you know, he had been clean all game. All game. I mean, twenty two of twenty seven. Didn't have any kind of really dirty stuff. The only time that he, you know, where he just had nothing and he didn't want to mm. take the sack. He couldn't get any yardage with his legs. I mean, I, I feel that Rattler is going to potentially be a low-end round one, high-end round two draft pick coming out this year um, just because there's so many quarterbacks in this class this year with Drake May, with Caleb Williams, with the potential Shador Sanders. Yes. You know, there's just – And with so many on, NFL quarterbacks not producing – yeah, there's just QB after QB. I mean, you've got people like Daniel Jones, who had a couple of hot years to begin with right out of the draft whenever he first started, but he's dropped off. And that's one of the main hopefuls right now for uh, uh, New York is to pick up Caleb Williams. You know, you see uh, Drake May's name floated around now for potentially Chicago um because Justin Fields unless something miraculous happens going forward he's potentially going to wind up taking a back seat to somebody um i i don't know man well, i'll tell know. you i'll tell you where i would take any of those names over a quarterback right now and that's Dallas i would take any of those names in Dallas right now <laughs> cuz i've said it for years I just don't think he's the guy, but the Jones no, family I mean, is so high on him. He's 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 serviceable as a QB and can get you to a certain echelon. But I mean, it almost seems like he's more than likely going to be this generation's Marino. Yeah, yeah. Like the talents there, and and you can have pieces at different times around you to be able to do some mm -hmm. killer things. 
set some awesome accolades and some awesome records or be in the talks with some of these people, but never actually being able to uh, make it fully to, or at least if you make it to, you're not going to be able to lead in the big dance. So no, no, no. Um, speaking of the, the Florida South Carolina game, you get, let's get some stats. Well, uh, like I said, Rattler 22 of 27, um, in terms of passing yardage, sorry, it was 23 of 30 for 313 yards, averaging 10.4 yards an attempt, uh, four, uh, four touchdowns. And with that one pick there at the end of the game to seal it for the Gators, uh, with a 92.8% rating. Graham Mertz, 30 of 48, 423 yards, average 8.8, with three touchdowns, no interception, QB rating on the game at 79.4, which is one of his lowest ratings for the entire season. Because the Gamecocks were able to get some stuff done early in the game, but the game is 60 minutes long, and if you can't do it the entire time, mm -hmm. Of course, things are going to come back to bite you in the end. Um, both teams with one rushing touchdown on the day. Uh, of course, that is surprising for Florida, considering that is where their bread and butter has really been. Um, but Trevor Etienne getting the long touchdown. Um, and Montrell Johnson, the only one with double-digit carries for 50 yards. Uh, Spencer Rattler being the number two running back. <laughs> Uh, on South Carolina's uh, day for the day. Uh, not the best sign, but it's also a good thing that he is being able to get out and get mobile and not take the losses like we've seen in the past. Uh, Xavier Leggett did wind up showing himself again, as he always does, uh, except against Tennessee, of course. Uh, five catches for 110 yards, average of 22 with a long of 46. Nick Harbor, though, in that one catch that he made, it was one catch for 45 yards, but it was a hell of a catch bodying out the defender. And once he gets his legs fully underneath him and and fully learns, because he's played both sides of the ball coming out of high school, and that's what a lot of Gamecock fans fail to remember, is that he's having to fully get himself acclimated to collegiate uh, football, especially at the wide receiver position. Uh, but for him to to just body out the defender and like I'm my my QB is giving me an opportunity on this 50-50 ball and damn it I'm coming down with it he did mm. uh, and the place just erupted whenever that happened because they had been waiting for it uh, it's definitely some some key completions at at some right times for this offense and with the the adjustment the the moving around of the the offensive line it definitely seemed to to really help open up that running game and and the offense looked fairly decent which may be a, a reason as to why South Carolina is now just only an 8 point underdog uh going on the road to Mizzou after Mizzou uh got the win this weekend on the opposite side of the ball uh not to really tout my opponent too much for this week. Ricky Pearsall, of course, continues to be the number one receiver out of Florida. And while not necessarily making the same type of acrobatic catches that he's made, he definitely made some some really good catches in this game. Mm -hmm. uh, 
the biggest surprise for me, more so than anything else, um, was the Gamecock special teams. While we did wind up getting a block kick, uh, blocking a field goal attempt, uh, the punting game with Kai Kroger just does not seem to be there this year. I don't know if he's – he had two that wound up coming off the side of his foot during this game that that just – it basically was like, here, Florida, have fantastic freaking field position and and not really giving our our defense a, a, a chance to get some stops mm-hmm. further back in the, you know, in the playing field. Defensively, Jalen Kilgore, uh, the only double-digit – uh, tackler for the day. Uh, we did have a couple close. Uh, Debo Williams at nine, Nick Mori at six. Um, as far as actual sacks on the day for the Gamecocks, wound up being a total of four. And then uh, what would have been eight tackles for loss on the night to, compared to Florida's two and six. So the Gamecocks found themselves in the backfield. Uh, but definitely nowhere near the caliber of what Tennessee does down there. Uh, speaking of Tennessee, well, I'm going to go ahead and throw it over to you for yeah. the the A and M and volunteer. Yeah, as we said, uh, I wish we'd have put some some even ten dollars on the under would have been would have been a nice little gas money win. Um, right. Uh, it was 2013 final. Uh, so nowhere near that 60 points plus spread that Vegas had it being. That Vegas uh, had it at. No. Yeah. Uh, so we got Joe Milton at 11 for 22, total of 100 yards, one TD, and one interception. And like I said, man, uh, this is, you know, this is, uh, I want to, I said in the very first episode, I absolutely want to be a Milton fan. I want to cheer for this guy just as much as I cheered for Hendon as much as I've cheered for any quarterback at Tennessee every year. I want, it's kind of like when people are like, uh, like in, 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 in politics, if we were to make the metaphor, like even if the person you voted for didn't win, you don't want to wish ill against the person who won because it's still the country, you know, you, oh, yeah. you want to your quarterback. You don't want to wish ill on your quarterback. So he's just not producing the way that I feel he should. Um, but I'm not going to sit here and say that I could do better. Uh, I just think that there, I think that we are limited in our offense and because of who our quarterback is. And I think Heupel knows that, which is why you're not seeing a lot of the same plays that Hendon had last year because Milton isn't that kind of quarterback. So and I, I think that that just, uh, it's got a lot of offense worried and we're not seeing prog- progression with him each game. We're seeing very stagnant Milton almost as if like, from what we hear is he goes out and practice and he says and does everything he needs to do 110%. But sometimes in the games, it doesn't seem like he's leaving his all out on the field. It just seems very lackluster, very casual uh, sometimes. Uh, However, uh, on rushing yards, we got Jalen Wright, 19 carries for 136 yards. Uh, We had Small for 12 carries for 42. Uh, Milton carried eight times for 34 yards. And then Samson, nine times for 25. So the run game was there. Again, we are – we have switched from wide receiver you one year – 
to RBU this year. So, and this I was about to say, A and M has not allowed a sixty-yard uh, runner in any game throughout this entire season, and then you just had, uh, and then we Wright, dropped two hundred and thirty-two yards on them. Yeah, yeah. So that's so, insane. It's very insane. And, and the 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 key to the game, the the overall victory, and I wish, you know. And I'm sure that this probably had a uh, – after you telling me, you know, what had gone on as far as dad and everything else and the mm. fact that uh, D. Williams Finally. returning the, the punt. An hour in zone. The, that would have been yeah. right in front of us. We'd have been 19 rows up from that touchdown. That's crazy. And, he been, and he's been – like we've said in every episode, he wants one. He's been poised for it all year. So I was right. really happy that D. finally got it. Some receiving numbers. Uh, our actual receiving leader this game was fresh start off of Bruce McCoy's injury. Chase Nimrod, four yeah. receptions. So yeah, the the passing game definitely was not there. It's like A and M seemed to to say that oh our our run defense is going to be able to do it. We need to focus on the the mm-hmm. pass. Mm-hmm. And and I think the the too much focusing on the pass, trying to keep Milton and the rest of those receivers, trying to put the squirrel in a cage, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, uh, didn't quite work out for him like they hoped it would. Yeah, uh, it's actually a four for thirty one yards. And then up next we had uh, Squirrel White, three receptions for twenty nine yards, and then McCollin Castles, two receptions for twenty four yards. Um, Sampson and uh, Warren both both had catches as well. Uh, Samson for nine and Warren for seven. Uh, Warren is a guy that I uh, I like McCollin Castles, uh, yeah. but Warren is also a guy that I, I think needs to be put there in the mix more than he is. Uh, he's he's proved that he is not just a good blocker; uh, he can catch the ball uh, and get a couple yards after. So um, defensively, though, you know. It was a defensive game on both sides. Uh, and yeah. again, t- tip of the cap to that AM quarterback. We had pressure on him and had him in the dirt so many times throughout this game. Luckily for himself, he was a lefty because he injured his right hand early in yeah. the first half. Um, but I mean, we just, we were in his face all night, we were eating his lunch. And he kept trying. So, yeah, kudos to that kid. I mean, I, hard play. I'm just, I'm, I'm on a credit to the fact that his last name is Johnson. Uh, being is that's what half of my lineage is. Not saying mm-hmm. that it's the same family, but I know that there's a certain degree of toughness to the mm-hmm. that that is is a part of the the Johnson last name moniker, <laughs> just mm-hmm. in general, at least from from my experiences so we're just going to chalk it up to that but the unfortunate thing is that that is their qb number two already that has taken the number one spot so where does a&m go from here if he's not able to go which in my opinion is i mean like say i never wish any kind of ill or injury Mm. toward anyone but with the way the gamecock season is going whenever we head to a&m here in two weeks uh, i i don't know May, yeah. Maybe we have a, a, a prefer not 100% uh, Max Johnson 
uh, as opposed to 100% QB3 because, well, let's face it, as it's been apparent, uh, and it has been a thing for several years, South Carolina does have the tendency to, to make what should be nervous and not very skilled and and should not be the best quarterbacks look like high front runners. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, leader again on the defense, Aaron Beasley, uh, five total tackles, three solo. Uh, didn't have much tackles for loss in this one, though, except for uh, Pierce Jr. did have uh, three solo tackles, uh, one sack, and uh, two, two for loss. And uh, McCullough, good old Jalen McCullough, came in uh, with two tackles and one tackle for loss. We had a couple other in there, um, but there there was one tackle we laid on that guy. It was like that O line let three hard hitters get to their quarterback, and yeah, we not not a good idea. Not, not a good idea. Um, so all, overall, I was very pleased with defensive and running numbers. I'm still nervous, especially looking at the rest of our October. It looks like terrifying. Uh, this Saturday, it is the third Saturday in October. And if you are, even if you're not a Tennessee fan and you live in Tennessee, you know what that means. You know what that means. It's Tennessee Bama week. We are going to Tuscaloosa, and I'm sure we'll discuss this. In the next half, when we're talking about the rest of the SEC, if Arkansas can barely have to make Bama beat them in Tuscaloosa, I feel pretty good. There's there's a there's an opportunity, but, is an but opportunity. I'd have to say this is this is one of those like any kind of rivalry. Like Arkansas always plays Alabama really well, just mm-hmm. because they're you know. It's like a Super Bowl for them. Not saying it's because I I don't want to break. Just that. like uh, uh, just like we that, don't, we never play Florida great. Yeah, it's just, just a like thing. To bring that cat back out of the bag. But yeah, um, it's 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 one of those games, man. This one transcends the SEC. I mean, it's one of those. It's like you said, it's a nationally recognized game. Mm-hmm. It's the third Saturday in October. I'm sure that's what game day and all those guys are going to be referring to it as as they go throughout the week um fandoms from both sides always refer to it as that that's the only thing that i've ever known it as is of course the third saturday in october mm-hmm. um but Couple more the, stats that were crazy is uh our interceptions uh a guy whose name i did not know uh made it made his way into the the announcers is gabe Judy Lolly had an interception. Judy Lolly. Uh, exactly. Uh, uh, interception, return for 36 yards. Uh, Kamal Haddon had another pick. Uh, so good, good on him. And of course, the play of the game that we're going to discuss had a precursor with the same cat's name. So we punt this ball. And it's actually D. Williams who catches it on the inch yard line. Make, making them have to start within the end zone. So it not yeah. only D Williams was the guy who kept the ball from being punted into the end zone, which everyone knows would have been a touchback. D Williams poises himself by getting down there, seeing that he can keep this ball out of the end zone and stops it. 
beautifully on the inch yard line. And then two plays later is the guy who returns the punt into the same end zone. So it's almost like D said, this this is it. This is my game to do it. This is, and, and I'm telling you, it was a beautiful series of things to watch. Uh, Very jealous that my older brother was in the seats and got to witness that in our end zone. Um, But, but it was, it was fantastic. I want to talk a little bit about our punter though. I've, I've mentioned that he's an Aussie, a former semi-pro rugby player. Can boot it with either leg. Can a switch booter. Big son of a gun. Tough. And there are videos of him throwing just as far as just as hard as Milton. Why have we not got a package where he fakes people? I'm like, if he can throw it, if he no can run it just as it. fast. I'm like, good lord. Maybe There's that's gotta be a package. Maybe that's something that's in the bag with with your special teams coordinator. Maybe he's been going to the 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 Beaver Ball School of That's what I'm of, that's what I said during the game. I said if this were Shane Beamer's team, our punter would have uh throwing yards and possibly some touchdowns under his name. Right. But overall, some good numbers to add to the stats. Low-scoring game, just like we said. Another Tennessee victory. We're sitting at 5-1, and one, tied for second in the SEC East. So, so you know. I have I have two questions. So, instead of Billy D. Williams, can we call him Tennessee D. Williams? Yes. Tennessee D. Williams. And is and is he cooler than the other side of the pillow? Mm-hmm. Not the exact other question that I was going to ask. Just throwing that reference out there, if anyone picks up on that. And two, since you guys are, we'll talk about this more. This will be my question for you to answer. Uh, going into preview, which we'll be uh, doing Thursday. Uh, can an elephant potentially forget? Hmm. That's that's my questions. You already answered one. The other one will wait till preview show for for week eight uh, we'll before to, answering we'll that on one. I'll have to think on that. This portion of the Cocky Top podcast is brought to you by the Gatlinburg Brewing Company, with sixteen craft beers on tap and brick fire oven craft pizzas. GBC is the place to be in Sevier County. Gatlinburg Brewing Company has two locations to visit, one on the strip of Gatlinburg and one at 870 Winfield Dunn Parkway beside Tennessee Legend Distillery. When you stop in, tell them you heard about them on the Cocky Top Podcast from Legend Studios. Enjoy and cheers to you, Legends. Just to get these other games from around the SEC knocked out before we run out of time for this episode, like we said, uh, just barely missed uh, seeing the dogs mass exodus out of the construction site over here in Nashville. And something I got to say real quick, I'm looking out the window of the place that we're staying at here, and I can see construction to one of the buildings because we're not far from Rosa Parks, Broadway, uh, the downtown area in the place that we're staying at. Uh, and of course there's always construction of some type going on down in Nashville, yeah. whether it be the, the high rises or the, the stadium. 
over there, uh, <clears throat> just a few miles away from us. Uh, I am kind of uh, jealous of the fact that I am not able to gain access into the building to be able to go potentially watch a filming of Lake Kick Live, uh, of course, in person. But uh, I'll make sure and let them know that we are in town. And if they want to come over to the distillery, we'd be happy oh, yeah. to have them. Yeah. Um, but Georgia does take care of Vanderbilt. Final score, 37 to 20. But the, the main thing with this is the fact that Georgia does lose Brock Bowers and early in the game. Uh, Do we know and, if that's a season ending? Not at this point. Uh Everything right now is showing just to be a sprain. Uh, likely we'll take a game off, but it's not. Uh, I don't think it's been 100% confirmed yet mm -hmm. uh, which direction that is going to be going. But I made a comment, and I'm just going to have to keep shutting my mouth uh, whenever it comes to certain things like this. You, uh, but you, talking you have about, a tendency uh, of speaking things into, the, into existence. Yeah, uh, Oscar Delp who I had said not been seeing any kind of playing time or anything like that was a down to the wire fight with Georgia and university of South Carolina for securing his services. And ultimately he does choose to go to university of Georgia. And uh, I make a comment saying that he, he may be one that's going to be searching the transfer portal because of, you know, lack of potential playing time. And lo and behold, Brock Bowers goes out, is out for a majority of the game. And guess who comes in and takes his place and has a, a, not the like the best stat line on the day, but I mean he definitely was very serviceable with Brock Bowers being out for the game. So, uh, like I said, I since I have had a tendency as of late to speak things into existence. Uh, whenever it comes to certain stuff, I think I am going to just start keeping my mouth completely <laughs> shut. Uh, yeah. Because it, it, if I don't, like if I try to even pull pull a, a, a reverse psychology on on what would be the universe, um, that's a trick that that they probably invented. So I know I'm not going to be able to use that. Uh, but yeah. Um. I don't want to say another easy victory for the dogs. Uh, but again, like I posed the question earlier, has it been a situation where they have kind of been playing down to the competition that they've gone against in South Carolina and Georgia, who have played them the, the closest it seems in terms of the, the actual final score compared to a team like Kentucky, where they just completely yeah. blew them out of the water and silenced any kind of doubters that, that may have been at that time. Uh, moving on, Auburn LSU, uh, we were hoping for another different outcome uh, in this Tiger battle, uh, like the one that happened last week, uh, which would have been the zoo versus LSU, uh, but much in the same, LSU does come away with a victory. This one a lot more convincing. Um, so I don't know what to think about Auburn. I think they're more difficult to try to get a pulse on than than South Carolina is at this well, point. And Hugh Freeze has done some pretty good stuff in his small time there. Well, he's a fantastic recruiter, and yeah. the same thing can be said for Shane Beamer, but I just don't know 
because this is his first year, he doesn't have all of his talent there. You know, exactly. I think he's making the best of what he has. And they've got to give him the time. You give Hugh Freeze the time, he can probably bring Auburn back. And that right there, giving any coach time is something that is almost nigh impossible to do mm-hmm. just because any fan base at this point is seeking nothing but instant gratification. And honestly, it's 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 sad because, yeah. I mean, looking back at even as a South Carolina fan, it took Steve Spurrier five, six years before he had the game controlled like he had him in the early 2010s. So, but it, damn you, Zuckerberg. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, Auburn and, and uh, anybody else do. that that made that made the 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 world of social media that we we definitely benefit from but it's also detrimental to a lot of other things so mm-hmm. yeah Auburn didn't do what we thought they could do um LSU big, big victory 48 18 uh that has them pretty much securing second in the west uh tied for second in the west possibly with uh Ole Miss uh, but you know, still, uh, these last five or six games are really going to be a shootout for the West. If if we can, if we or somebody can give Bama their second loss, especially an SEC loss, then you're going to see a real shootout for uh that West first spot. Um, speaking of Bama, uh, kicking over to Arkansas, went to Tuscaloosa. Uh, to face Alabama, um, made them play in their own field, uh, barely lost by three points, 24-21 last, the final. And uh, as you said, Arkansas has always played Alabama well, uh, no matter the season, no matter the coach, no matter the players, Arkansas seems to always play Bama really well. Uh, yeah, regardless of the, the talent disparity between those two organizations. Mm-hmm. Bama's still sitting at 11. Um, I don't know if we'll get full official changes till probably tomorrow, Tuesday. Um, uh, yeah, usually new AP polls and stuff like that. Uh, coaches' polls are finalized Monday, Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, so uh, not much to say about this. Just they made Bama have to play in their own home. Uh, but granted, I mean, they. the wild thing is, is the – Scoreless second quarter for Arkansas as opposed to Bama's scoreless fourth quarter. One score in that second quarter. If Arkansas only had one score, this would have been a different game. Oh, absolutely. You've seen an upset, and it's just crazy. Like looking at these numbers, uh, Arkansas scored. Six in the first quarter, nothing in the second, seven in the third, and then eight in the fourth. So, I mean, it's just crazy how that one mishap of a second quarter was the difference between a victory or a loss for the for the old Razorbacks. But as we've said, this is the third Saturday in October. Uh, we'll we'll do a little bit more preview in uh, this coming Friday's episode. Uh, to talk about Bama, Tennessee. So I'm excited to talk about that. It's a it's a big weekend 
here in the state of Tennessee for us. So, and last but not least, we got to talk about the other cat fight that happened. Uh, of course, so there's going to be a lot of cat fights throughout the season whenever you've got uh, a multitude of, of people who have chosen a cat as their animal mascot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Mizzou travels to Kentucky, and I don't want to necessarily say in a full-on shocker, but, I mean, it definitely wasn't as expected. Um uh, Kentucky running back Davis, I mean, he still continues to do his thing, uh, except for the <laughs> against the teams that it seems like it truly matters against. Um, yeah. But once again, Brady Cook, I mean, he didn't have the greatest stat lines, but, I mean, he got it done whenever it mattered. Uh, and, and Mizzou comes away 38-21. Mizzou sitting at 6-1, and 2-1, and – and one of the people that you are tied with uh, for second place in the SEC East currently with them still on your schedule mm-hmm. or later in this year, same thing with Kentucky, uh, two teams that, that Tennessee is going to have to go through, same thing with South Carolina. And speaking of upcoming matchups, that's who we have. It's the Battle of the uh, – or the Mayor's Cup, uh, Columbia, Missouri – versus Columbia, South Carolina. We're traveling to Missouri this go around. And and they're going to be – I don't know if South Carolina is going to be able to pull out wounded animal mode. Is this the, the game that that some stuff comes together? Uh, but with the, the way Brady Cook's been playing and, and the way that South Carolina's secondary has been giving up lots of opportunities, and as you said earlier, you know, we'll get more into all of this on the next episode. Uh, but I'm I'm not feeling all that confident uh, going into Missouri. But the last time I I felt like that it was going to be a, a surefire loss, uh, you know, for the Gamecocks. You know what they happened to yeah. to pull out against Tennessee, which yeah. happened to come after uh, a loss to Florida last year too. So, uh, albeit later in the season, well, I, I hope it happens again for as, you. <laughs> Well, Shane Beamer has a tendency to be a coach that that snaps streaks. So hopefully this. And I also hope that uh, it happens because it's a, uh, it's a uh, Drinkowitz. Yes, your your long history as a game Drinkowitz. Drinkowitz. Drinkowitz for me personally is like my Dinkelberg. Okay. Dinkelberg. Mm-hmm. But uh, of course, then after that, we wind up traveling to. Uh, Texas to be able to take on Texas A&M and then finally the what would be the last uh, four games of the season are going to be home games um, South Carolina six games left on the slate for this year uh, we have to win four out of those six to even be able to be bowl eligible and to be entirely honest with you I don't know that I see four more wins with the way South Carolina has currently been playing on this schedule um, but I can I can still be a forever to the Gamecock and hope that that Beamer still has some surprises uh, left in the tank for the, this season to at least, like I said, get us to that six and six and be bowl eligible. Uh, even if it is going to the Birmingham Bowl, which is the toilet bowl of the bowl games, it seems like. Uh, but I don't care. 
Uh, as long as he's able to take them to another bowl game this year, I'm going to consider it a win mm-hmm. at this point, even though a majority – I can't say a majority. Uh, the uh, vocal majority of the Gamecocks fan base would disagree with me. And, of course, Tennessee, Tennessee still has their season really to look forward to and what, what they could ultimately do, especially if they do get a win this next weekend over the Tide. Anything else you want to add? Uh, just, uh, you know, I, the blue wall held up for that first quarter, really, partially the first half. But uh, once the blue wall got tired, Missouri took – I'm pretty sure Kentucky is the first team this year to hold them to a scoreless first quarter, if, I, if I'm thinking correctly, with Missouri. So not the, the outcome I personally wanted, but also, again, like I said, not a total shock. That was a, a a big battle to watch because they all they both went into each other tied with only one loss each, and this was to kind of secure a, a second place spot in the SEC East. So I hate it for the blue, but um, Missouri takes the win. We did, however, our bonus game turned out to be the great selection for a bonus game, and good goo, it was a game. Uh, right. It was uh, we would switch back and forth between uh, a little bit between the Tennessee A&M game and this game. And and I'm telling you, man, those two teams put it all out on the line. Their explosive offenses, their dangerous offenses went head to head with uh, the defenses of uh, each respective team. And I'm telling you, I still think that Penix Jr. is a a a silent front runner and my pick for uh Heisman contention. Heisman this year. Yeah. Um I think he's a quiet <laughs> like, front runner. Like you had texted me, uh Bo Nix has been in the collegiate ranks for far too long. When I when I realized that that's where Bo Nix was at the beginning of this game, I was like, isn't he like 40? Like I feel like I've been hearing Bo Nix's name for decade now (laughs) like good lord but this is definitely his last season correct oh yeah yeah yeah. okay yeah okay so it's either it's either get drafted or or go play for the canadian football league or or usfl or yeah (laughs) actually the usfl and the xfl are looking to merge oh wow yeah xfl's owned by the rock now yeah, I know. Uh, yeah. We'll see if if he can with the the money that the USFL mm-hmm. has, they can they can get some some stuff going some because cool I think going. the the USFL was definitely more accepted than what the XFL was. Yes. Um, I just want to say that you had too much attrition in the XFL with the way things were set up. I mean, have a football league that does play whenever you know, your main collegiate yeah. NFL is yeah. not playing. But yeah. keep it pretty much the same rules and make it a situation where people can, of course, wind up going from that league into the NFL. And the same thing, like if players need to get more developed before they can make it into the NFL, that they go to the USFL to be able to get their chops more so, get more developed, and then have the opportunity to go for an open tryout for, you know, yeah. Uh, uh, 
maybe that's how you know teams start getting their next great QB or whatever. Somebody mm-hmm. instead of sitting fully on the bench or the practice squad for an NFL team actually can go out and get in-game reps and stuff like that in a USFL game, and they get progressed further yeah. along what you know someone on the scout team would. Absolutely. Any final thoughts about uh, any of these games? Not really. I mean, it, while it wasn't a shocker of a weekend, I mean, of course, for me personally, it was definitely a heartbreaking weekend because we did see such a great offensive performance only for the defense to just – that was a situation where Florida didn't necessarily have to find a way to win the game. South Carolina almost – I mean, in in my opinion, my thoughts and feels, it seemed like they were just like, you know what? <laughs> like, Beamer was like, Napier, you know what, bro? I, I, I feel bad for you. And you've not had but one, you know, road win your entire tenure with the Gators and everything else. So, here you go. Here's, here's, here's a bow. Um, but, I mean, I know that's not the case. I know that none of these coaches are actively trying to lose. Um, while I do I have a bit of, bit of a conspiracy theorist that, that constantly resides within me, uh, they would definitely be a bit more active for uh, professional games as opposed to collegiate games. So, But, no, I really don't have much, much thought in other than that. Uh, Beyond that, like I said, just looking forward to the next week. Uh, mm-hmm. Each week is a new week, and and I guess just like uh, uh, the the players or the coaches claim the players do in any capacity, uh, take it one week at a time. And as a fan, I guess you got to do it the same way. Hopefully, next week I get to come in and be a lot more elated <laughs> whenever we do the the review show. Uh, but it is what it is. I still will. Forever and always forever will be a forever to the Gamecock. Uh, and Team Mac, take it home, bud. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Cocky Top Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to all of our episodes of our other podcasts. Don't forget to check out Between Two Barrels podcast. Uh, this month of October, we are highlighting the spooky time of year. And we've got some great episodes that have already dropped on Between Two Barrels and are about to drop before this month is over. Uh, Also, look for the uh, few changes that are going to happen with the studios. Uh, We will get those solidified this week. And uh, that way you can continue to follow us and reach out to us. Uh, How did your team do? Uh, Let us know at tldtube23 at gmail.com. And as always... Cheers to you.